and welcome to Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright Hour, <laughs> your source for this straight poop on all things supernatural. We're your hosts. My name is Chris Anderson, but if you went to high school with me, you can call me Shibble. And I'm Ethan Sereski. And Herschel Walker is as dumb as a goop shopping bag full of jade eggs. And this week, we've got a fresh new monster for you. We want to thank everybody, first of all, for tuning in, especially tuning in early, our Patreon subscribers. Do you know what a jade egg is? Uh, I believe it is a egg-shaped piece of jade. Yes. Then you, you put it up in one's vagina. Right. Not uh, one's. It should be yours. Otherwise, it's assault. Well, I don't have one. No, but, but, it's, could, but you have to be... It, I could find a consenting uh, person with a vagina. Right. And right. I would... Or they would do to themselves or someone else with a consenting vagina, hopefully. And they will uh, insert the egg and it's the jade is supposed to draw out impurities and also <laughs> holding it, strengthen the muscles in the vaginal barrel. Right. And also, if you have a bunch of those jade eggs, they're smarter than Herschel Walker. Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. <laughs> And a special thank you to our Patreon subscribers who get early access. If you go to patreon.com slash UncleMonster6 and you can get a bunch of fun bonus episodes. That's a that's a great place, man. There really is some good stuff that we worked hard on, man. I, I hope you're enjoying that. And if you're not, pay some money and enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a simple fix. Yeah, yeah. The power is in your hands. So let me take you through an episode of Uncle Monster as usual on the show. One of us, and it's Shibble this week, has done extensive research on a ghost, ghoul, goblin, or demon. And this week, it is the Barmanu. Or is that how you say it? I've been saying Barmanu. Oh. Okay, the Barmanu from the mountains of Pakistan. Yes. While the other of us, that's me, Ethan, has done absolutely no work whatsoever. I do not know what a Barmanu is. Did not know coming in. Still do not know. I will be the audience surrogate and ask the questions that your heart burns to know. But before you ask me even one single question, I got a question for you. Oh, ask it. When I say to you, Barmanu, and you close your eyes, in your mind's eye, what do you see? Well, let me close my eyes. Let's give it a shot. Okay. Okay. Barmanu. Okay. I have a couple theories. Okay, good, a couple. Okay. And by couple, I mean four, but they're short. Yes, a couple of couples. Yes. You got a double date of theories. That's that's exactly what I have in there, sharing uh, milkshakes with double straws. Uh, it's got like it. Archie. Wonderful. But not Give like Riverdale. Give okay. me your Betty theory. Okay, theory number one. It's when the guy, the bar menu... It's when the guy serving drinks to the club starts to do tricks and impress drunk girls. So he lights the bottles on fire and he juggles them and everyone is like, ooh, ah. Then he flips the bottles up in the air and catches them behind his back and shakes the drinks and pours them perfectly. And when he's done, all the drunk chicks start to cheer and the drunkest, sloppiest chicks with the bachelorette party t-shirt and the tiara and smeared lipstick goes, Yeah! Barman! Alright, it could be a flair bartender. Give me your Reggie of ideas. What is the Reggie of ideas? 
uh, Reggie is obviously the rich guy that wishes uh, he could be on a permanent relationship with Veronica. And he also oh. thinks he's much better than Archie. Oh, I didn't know we were doing all four. I, I thought it was Moose and Midge and Archie and Veronica. No, no. It's going to be Archie and Betty, Veronica and Reggie. Okay, well, that's... that's... the double date classic setup, in my okay. opinion. I'm sorry. I pictured Moose and Midge, and I was obviously incorrect in my own scenario. Yeah. So, theory number I guess two. It, it could be uh, uh, maybe Archie and Betty... And then Jughead and Hot Dog, but <laughs> there's uh, theory number two. Now, now picture this. This is the word B A R M A N O U. Yeah. So I think it's me and Tom Brady. Okay. And we're together enjoying our time. The Bay Arm and you, and that's how I read it. Okay. Okay. So you're calling Tom Brady as the Bay Arm? Yeah, that's B-A-R-M, Bay Arm. A-N-O-U is N-U. It's true. The Bay Arm and you. He does have a beautiful arm. Mr. Football, I call him. I call him the Bay Arm. And then and you would obviously mean me. So it's it's me and Tom Brady. So I'm right. All right, let's move on to your Veronica of theories. Okay, let's go for serious this time. The Barm and you is a mustachioed postman from Pakistan who drives his delivery van to hovels in the Pakistani mountains to peep in the windows of undressed women, but only women at a personal crossroads considering cutting someone out of their friend group. Fair enough. You know that I don't deliver mail anymore, right? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about a cryptid called the Barmanu. Okay, because it started off with mustachioed postal worker, and I feel like that was very close to me. And also, I'm known for my leering glare. Nothing, you know what, not everything's about you, Shibs. That's a very self-centered view to take. It just feels like the last several times that you've mentioned mustachioed postal workers, it has been me. No, you've thought it was you, and I've said, oh, is that you? And maybe I was, you know, maybe it was something subconscious, you know, and I've kind of given you the benefit of the doubt. What What I'm getting at is one of the reasons why I think you're guessing this is that you're thinking about me. That could be true. I, I'll give you that. That could be true, but I don't. I don't subscribe to that myself. I think these are real guesses. And so, last but not least, your Archie of guesses. Here it comes. Here comes the ginger. This is my real answer, and it's the right one. It's not even a guess. The That's bar Archie. menu used to. Be, do you have something to say? Yeah, Archie. Archie is the one. That's why right. He's Ar- the yep. main character. Yep. Here come the freckles. The bar menu used to be a tortured human, but was cursed by a witch in Pakistan into being some sort of monstrous cryptid that lives forever and sustains itself on human blood. I got good news and I got bad news. The bad news is that none of those guesses were correct. Were they close? They were not. Other than the one that involved Pakistan. Right, because the bar menu is from Pakistan. That, I, that you told me and that is true. That is true. You know how I would like to tell you what the Barmanu is? Well, let me guess. Because um, I, I think I can get this. Your guesses this... so far have just been fantastic. No, but this one's going to be right. Because yeah. I know for a fact that you and I learn best. And so does our audience. Learn best through narrative fiction. So I'm guessing you're going to use narrative fiction to teach us about this Pakistani Barmanu. It is 
true. That is what I'm going to be doing. But this week, we've got something a little spicier for the audience. The narrative fiction? Well, just to part the kimono a bit, earlier this week, uh, Ethan and I discussed, you know, we were talking about what is it that makes uh, erotica kind of funny, uh, you know, when we do our erotica readings in the show. And I said, you know what, I bet I could pull it off. So this week, story well, time's well, first I said, sexy. First time I said, I, I bet I could pull it off, and Shivel goes, no, <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> and I agreed with him. No, you, you admitted you had feet of clay in this matter. Yeah. Uh, because we agreed that it takes a certain amount of vulnerability to write erotica, and you have to be a little bit horny when you're doing it. So I hope all of you are horny while you're listening. And if you do get horny, you are required by law to subscribe to our Patreon. Oh, I thought you were going to suggest something else. Thank you. That is a much better suggestion. Yes, subscribe to Patreon if Shibble makes you horny. And if he doesn't subscribe to Patreon, do that yeah. as well. So, uh, you want to hit me with a story time theme song? I would love to, but it's erotic story time, so I'm going to start off with a moan. <clears throat> oh, it's story time. It's story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. After dark. It's story time. It's story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. Story time. After dark. The sun sets in the west, just like always. You put down your Bible and idly stir your campfire. It's been three months since the Mother Superior sent you on this religious... On this religious pilgrimage... <laughs> this motherfucker said religious. <laughs> that should have been the character's name. God, you're right. Uh, it's been three months since the Mother Superior sent you on this religious pilgrimage here in the mountains of western Pakistan. Sister Innocence, she told you, God needs you as far away from me as possible. Though she called you a sinner, you were as innocent as your name implied. It was not your fault that Father Gilbert's eyes would linger on you for too long, tracing the feminine curves that your modest nun's uniform could barely conceal. Did God himself not create every inch of your toned olive flesh? The Mother Superior was clearly jealous of the attention your beauty garnered you. But obedience is a virtue of your order, and so when she ordered you to do missionary work in this remote part of the world... You accepted it without question. Little did you know that tonight you'd be doing an entirely different type of missionary work. <laughs> Inside your tent, you remove your nun's wimple and crawl into your sleeping bag. What? It's the thing that nuns wear on their head. It's called a wimple. Okay. The nomadic shepherds that you were giving Bibles to yesterday told you not to travel through this mountain pass, but according to your maps, it would save you two days. You smile to yourself as you fall asleep, thinking of how your fearlessness would pay dividends. Soon you would be back in the comforts of civilization. You're awakened by a rustling outside. You had hoped the fire would keep wild animals at bay. You peep out the flap of your tent. But instead of seeing a lost goat, as you might have expected, what you see shocks you. You would think it was a man there in the firelight, 
were not completely covered in red hair. It crouches by the fire, licking clean a, a plate of stew you made yourself previously, lapping up every trace of rue. It stands and drops your tin camping plate to the ground. A breeze wafts its scent towards you, a smell of musk and virility, a smell that compels you. Uh, as it, or should you say he, stands up before you, you can take in his full form. Tall and lean, with well-muscled thighs built for traversing this mountainous terrain. Its face simple and placid. You are struck with the idea that this is perhaps how Adam looked before eating the fruit of knowledge. <laughs> you also notice that this dude is packing. His prodigious unit hangs out from his dense body hair, girthy and uncut. You didn't even notice you were holding your breath. He sees you. There's a gentleness in his eyes. You approach and slide the ring from your fourth finger. Tonight you are no bride of Christ. You're a woman. A woman with a need that you feel stirring deep within your beautiful punani. <laughs> he brushes aside a lock of your jet black hair with a calloused hand. He pulls you close, and you feel him start to stir, boner wise. <laughs> His stench is truly terrible, but at this point, you're too dignitized to care. You kiss his thin lips, and he lowers you to the ground. You make love. The sounds of your lovemaking echo through the valley. Wet slaps and guttural moans. Soon, you fall asleep, satisfied and spent. Because tonight, Sister Innocence, you made love to the Barmano. <laughs> I, I absolutely I loved it. I'm glad you did. I, you know, I I think I pulled it up. I was a little bit nervous, but I think I got there. I think if you had gone uh, hyper realism, like, and gone with you know his his like veiny cock, I think it would have been yeah. too much. I couldn't have taken that. No, yeah, I, I I wanted to make sure that I was keeping it tasteful. I did Yeah, gross would have been. I I didn't want yeah. gross, but. Uh, but I, I, I also noticed that I, I didn't learn a, a, a whole lot about the Barmanu. I think you'll see that you, once again, as in my story time, you might have learned more than you think. Oh. But let's find out. You want to get into it, or do you want... Uh, well, first let me just give you the big picture, and then you can give me some facts. How about Absolutely. I, I, would, I, would like, I would like to uh, hear kind of like um, just... What is the Barmanu? You know, give me your opening yeah. on the. Is are we going with Barmanu? Uh, I'm going with either Barmanu or Barmano. It's spelled B-A-R-M-A-N-O-U, but I've also seen it spelled B-A-R-M-A-N-U. Oh, so let's call him Barmanu because that sounds more. Yeah, yeah Barmanu. Okay. Okay, so the Barmanu is uh, basically considered to be the Bigfoot of northwestern Pakistan. Oh, she banged a Bigfoot, the nun. Yes. 
Uh, and its name uh, uh, translates to either uh, the big hairy one or the sturdy one or the muscular one. And he is also known in other regional dialects of the area as the Jangali Mosh, the Almasti, or the Ban Manus. Almasti sounds more Arabic. Uh, yeah, the Al does sound very uh, Arabic. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, with that as your big picture, the uh, red-haired uh, Bigfoot of northwestern Pakistan, I understand you got some Pakistan facts. No, I actually went with, um, remember my first theory where he was flipping uh, the drinks and stuff, and it was like, the barman, oh. Yes. Uh, the barman, oh, presents alcohol facts. Ooh. Alcohol facts. I would like if you said the barman, oh, presents okay. alcohol facts. The barman, oh, presents alcohol facts. Shibby, we've been lied to. Oh, no. A lot, probably. But um, about this particular uh, issue, a bottle of tequila never, ever contains a worm. Really? Go on. Only a few mezcals have a worm at the bottom, and it's not even a worm. It's moth larva. Oh, my God. This whole time, I've been eating moth larva? When we were 13, I remember in Stanford, our, uh, the people who taught us comedy, um, when we were little, like improv and stuff, they, they gave us tequila. And they were like, here, drink the worm. And there was no worm, so I just kept drinking it. Oof. Yeah, they were, uh, they were a weird influence to put on a bunch of kids. But hey, look at me now. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at me. Well, don't, don't blame them for that. That's not their fault. Um, number two, the U.S. government used, used to poison alcohol. Can you guess in what uh, circumstance? Uh, if it was being sold to uh, people of color. <laughs> that would have been... You know what? I can't believe that's not the answer. Um, but no, I thought that was a strong guess. Yeah, that, I, I really... I, that's, str I, that's probably more likely than the actual answer, which is uh, true. So, so you would think that would be more likely. By mid-prohibition, officials in the uh, Coolidge administration were frustrated because mm. so many Americans continued to drink bootlegged alcohol. They, they love just, it. Yeah, they, the Americans love alcohol. So do most people. Uh, so the Coolidge administration decided upon a rather devious tactic, uh, <laughs> or murderous, uh, one might say, knowing that millions of gallons of industrial alcohol were being stolen by bootleggers and used to make beverages, they ordered those manufacturers in 1926 to add poison, such as formaldehyde and chloroform, to their products. Quickly, mm. illicit drinkers began dying in droves. Yep. <laughs> and and the, the medical examiner had to hold a press conference to warn the public about the plot. <laughs> well, boy, classic U.S. government. Yeah, and it couldn't be held legally responsible, but he charged that they held the moral responsibility for those deaths. The they medical 100% examiner. do. Yeah, yes. good medical examiner. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Fact number three? Move over, vodka. <laughs> <laughs> vodka is not the world's best-selling spirit category. Do you know what it is? Uh, is it bourbon now? It's baiju. Oh, okay. Baiju is a Chinese spirit made primarily from sorghum mm. and it has a whopping 23 billion dollar market 
Though less well-known in the U.S., it's due to make waves soon. High in alcohol, distinct in taste, and a great accompaniment to Asian food, Baju may soon be endangering the sake bomb. <laughs> I had in college a bottle of Chinese sorghum liquor. I did not know what it was called. You had Baju. It was probably Baju. It tasted truly foul. <laughs> what I liked about having it was that I knew none of my roommates would ever touch it because it was so gross, so I knew I would always have just some booze on hand. Oh, that's really good. That's smart. Yeah, but boy, I, I you know, I tried. You know what you should have done is poison the other alcohol, like the U.S. government, and then they would have learned their lesson. Yeah, yeah. Because they would have been dead from all the, the uh, what was it? Uh, formaldehyde. Formaldehyde and chloroform. Yeah. So, uh, the Barmanu. <laughs> Let's talk Barmanu. Yes. Yes. So, to get, uh, we, uh, it's a hairy bipedal humanoid said to wear uh, animal pelts sometimes and live in the uh, Chitral and Karakoram mountain ranges in northwestern Pakistan. Of course. Uh, it is described also being sort of half man, half ape. And is rumored to abduct women for mating purposes. So he's a he's like a rapist and a Bigfoot. Uh, yes. Uh, That's not but, cool. No, it's not cool. Uh, tales of the Barmanu go back among local nomadic shepherds for generations, uh, but knowledge got spread uh, to the west. Uh, outside of those local areas by a Spanish-French zoologist named Jordi McGrainer. <laughs> Jordi. Yeah. J- uh, Jordi. Jordi. Can I try? Uh, yes. <laughs> Jordi. Jordi. Perfect. Magrané. Magrané. Uh, although he was, I guess, of Moroccan descent, born in Spain, grew up and lived in France. And uh, he wrote uh, in the late 80s a paper entitled Les Hominidae Reliques d'Asie Centrale, <laughs> or uh, The Relic Hominids of Central Asia. Oh, big, yeah, it's a big seller by Jordi. Uh, it certainly was. So you, do you have the it, figures, sell figures on that book? Uh, well, it was a paper, it was uh, submitted to scientific journals. Now, the Was thing it you accepted? Have to realize, uh, yes. Uh, the thing you got to realize about Jordi Magrenet is, right, there's sort of... Cryptozoologists exist on a spectrum, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, on one end, you got a guy who's like, I'm going to Brazil because my research uh, leads me to believe I'm going to find a new species of termite. Right. And then, you got on the other end, you got a guy who says, I'm going to Brazil because I think there's a foot, uh, Bigfoot there with backwards feet and a stomach uh, with a mouth on it. And a vagina. One eye, and he used to be a wizard. <laughs> and uh, Where do we fall on the spectrum of cryptozoologists? Uh, I don't think we actually do fall on the spectrum of cryptozoologists. Uh, I think we're more folklorists. Oh, okay. But... Jordi Magrenet was closer to the termite end. Oh, okay, so he was a little more legit. Yeah, like he was a uh, uh, biologist. He was a, just a zoologist. Was he also a biologist? Did he have some training? Uh, he had training in zoology. Okay, that's enough. Yeah. So, uh, he had uh, become familiar uh, in this time period with research that had been coming out of the Soviet Union. Uh, because, Always trust you know, that. 
Well, at that point, the Iron Curtain was starting to come down. Oh, okay. All right. And so he thought, you know, based on the descriptions that he was reading, uh, that he would be able to find, like, undiscovered primate species. Can I interrupt for one sec? I'm really sorry. My Uncle Leo used to wear disguises and go to Russia and get people out from under the Iron Curtain. Wow. And he was named an emissary of the UN for doing that. And he had a big... He passed away is why I sound sad. Um, We weren't especially super close, but it's a well-known story. His name was Leo Nevis, and he was a great guy. Yeah, that's really impressive. Maybe he smuggled out one of these zoologists (laughs) that led to the discovery of the Barmano. Maybe he was a Barmano. Maybe he was. My Uncle Leo was a (laughs) Barmano. I mean, to me, that sounds anti-Semitic, but... If you want to say it, that's fine with me. We have we have a cousin named Bernard, and and he used to call him. He would be like Bernard, <laughs> and then he told me he, Bernard made a mistake, and he faxed my dad. Bernard pulled a boner. <laughs> Get his ass, Leo. That's the, yeah. That's an old burn. Bernard pulled yeah. a boner. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. Go back no, to your I, story. No, nothing to apologize for. Uh, so well, yeah, I can also- apologize for the for the Honus Wagner. <laughs> He was also uh, inspired by a researcher named Heuvelmans. Who? Heuvelmans. Dr. Heuvelmans. Okay. Professor Heuvelmans. Spell it. Spelled H-E-U-V-E-L-M-A-N-S. He was Belgian. Wavel? Maybe Wavelmans? No, that'd be more Hispanic. Yeah. No, I think that... I think it's... Huvelmans? Huvelmans. 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 Yeah. Well, Huvelmans. Huvelmans from the Baron. A scientist uh, in the early 20th century Mm -hmm. uh, who, as a youth, saw a frozen caveman in a block of ice in a freak show, and it inspired him to research into uh, the evolutionary history of mankind well that's cool i mean that's that's a that's a cool origin story and he saw something in the freak show and it made him want to learn you know yeah yeah we hope that uh, we're doing something similar to our listeners <laughs> yeah you're enjoying our horrible freak show and we <laughs> hope that you uh, go out and learn more yeah or, or about like actual stuff <laughs> yeah like uh like uh star jelly <laughs> <laughs> or honus wagner's statistics you know anything yeah uh, the Flying Dutchman. He was two him. for three. And... <laughs> and so... Uh, Heuvelman's, also, just really quick side note, was... Uh, are you familiar with the comic book Tintin? Yeah. He was the scientific advisor to Hergé, the artist that wrote and uh, drew Tintin. Shut up. Yeah. Why did he need a scientific advisor? Because there's a lot of uh, science in Tintin. Is there? I mean, I'm he not a huge to... reader. I'm just aware of the of the title. He liked to like pull technology from the headlines and have Tintin using like the latest technology. But to us, it all seems like it's from like the 1930s because it is. Yeah, but back then it was you know there was groundbreaking stuff he was doing. So he had a scientific yeah. advisor. That's cool. Yeah, and, like, also Tintin would sort of travel the world, so he would consult with, like, people who knew about, like, oh, what's going on in Tibet, you know? Well, there's a guy with a mouth on his stomach, and he used to be a wizard. No, that's for Tintin in Brazil. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, 
So based on this, uh, McGrainer, Jordi uh, McGrainer, Jordi, uh, decided that he was going to go to northwestern Pakistan in order to see if he could find some of these missing links. Uh, local shepherds and lumberjacks told him about these hairy cavemen-looking guys that they called the Barmanu. It was the Taliban. Uh, well, spoiler alert, that's going to pop up later. Yeah, it always does. It ruined Rock. Yeah, it ruined Rambo 3. Yeah, and sometimes it's going to pop up around September 11th. God. Um, no, September 11th in no way factors directly with this story. I would hope not. Uh, but, so, he interviewed these, uh, local, uh, shepherds. He found 31 people that had reported either seeing and having, uh, direct encounters with Barbanu or heard a story from someone else. Uh, but that's someone else that they could specifically name. If it go, went beyond that sort of one generation of knowledge. And the majority of them were eyewitnesses. How many, what percentage were eyewitnesses as opposed to secondhand, uh, witnesses? I would say it was like fifty fifty. No, it was like eighty twenty eyewitnesses. Wow! So this so this is like could be a real thing if you're if you're a zoologist and you're hearing this much from this many people, you're taking it seriously. No, yeah, it was enough for a, a legitimate scientist to say this is at least worth looking into. Right, I agree. And he. Uh, and you can find his papers online, and I actually read one of them for my research. Uh, uh, I read a translation of Les Hominidae Reliques d'Asie Centrale. Wait, say it, say it so I can understand. Let me try and translate. I don't know French, but let me give it a shot. All right. I did say the translation earlier, so that should be a good clue. Uh, Les Hominidae Reliques d'Asie Centrale. No. The relic hominids of Central Asia. I could have gone for Central Asia, but nothing else. Yeah, Ominidae is uh, hominid. Oh, okay. Well, that's the problem. Relic. Okay. Well, I missed out on that. On that. Uh, what are they called when it's the same word? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, like in Spanish, when it's like uh, dog, even though it's perro. Yeah, I mean, maybe loan words, but. I would say these are a case of words having the same root. No, no, but like no and no. Like when. Oh, like homophone? Hom- no. A homophone is like sale and sale. Like S A L E and S A I L. Those are homophones. Oh. Homonyms? That's homonyms. Really the same thing, but yeah. words. Yeah, homonyms are good and language, great. And this is getting boring. You're right. But, hey, oh, oh, you don't want anyone to learn anything? Okay. No, I definitely. Especially. I mean, I don't want us to be learning things on the fly. Oh, okay. well, fine. We won't learn. We won't learn anything. I apologize, audience. We'll be just as dumb as when we started. I promise you, that was going to be the case no matter what. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, one of the more uh, interesting things that uh, Magrané learned in his research was that these people, uh, the Barmanu, seemed to move in groups, but uh, witnesses reported they had no language that they, we would recognize that they only spoke in like grunts surprise they don't speak english that's what that's what you're telling me they also don't speak you know the the native languages of the local uh pakistani shepherds they don't seem to speak any language they just seem to grunt they're cryptids uh yeah they are 
But, you know, they're walking around like men. They look like little cavemen. But what's interesting about them, specifically not speaking language, is if they are on an evolutionary ladder with people, that puts them at a specific point. That puts them at a developmental stage that's pre-language, pre-culture. And there's currently nothing that is as close to the Barmanu or to humans that we've seen that does hasn't made that jump. Do they use tools? Uh, they did not report them using any tools. Uh, they did allegedly wear skins, which would imply that they, they had a way tools. to skin things. Yep, that's tools. They got to at least have a rock. Right. And yeah, and, and and you could even consider the skin as clothing as a type of tool. Right. Well, I mean, clothing is all... So they have clothing, which implies that they would have shelter. Well, not necessarily. Clothing is shelter is mini shelter for your body, so why would they not apply I mean, they the could, concept they overall? Could, they could take natural shelter in caves. I That's shelter. That counts as shelter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to call sitting under a tree when it's raining having shelter... No. Yeah, I'm be. saying because they have the concept <laughs> of the mini shelter of clothes sheltering them for the elements, they would apply it to the concept of a cave or maybe a, a shanty or some sort of uh, you know, made out of leaves and all, you know, they, they would have a shelter, I, mean, I think. I'm thinking it's a big leap from cave to hut or even cave to lean to you know what i mean i i don't know that it's that big a hut i watched the first three episodes of lost like a bear for the first will time live in a cave yeah bear yeah and i think they're more advanced than bears yeah so you're thinking that you're thinking that because they have clothes in some versions of the story they probably have some sort of shelter. I heard you throw that in there in some versions of the story. <laughs> in, it is in some versions. I said that at the beginning. Oh, right, that, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay, so in those Not versions... all reports. Okay, so yeah. they're at least in a cave. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, so now, uh, I've got some quotes directly from McGrenay's paper that I think are relevant. Can you name another famous Jordi? Uh, yeah, uh, Jordi LaForge <gasps> from Star Trek Next Generation. Good one. And also French rapping baby Jordi. Jordi. Jordi, yeah, the baby. The You're right. <gasps> yeah. Je m'appelle Jordi, j'ai 7 et je petit. Dur, dur d'être un bébé. Dur, dur d'être un bébé. I can't believe you remember Jordi. I've forgotten all about him. Everyone, if you don't know Jordi, he was a baby. He was a French baby and he, he rapped. Yeah, he was a rapping French baby. I'll put him over the... I'll use him for the end credits for this episode. Jesus, use him for opening and the closing. No, don't. I love no, our opening. He, we need to get him as a guest. Oh! How old do you think Jordy is? Our age? Uh, let's... Little I younger. I want to say he's going to be 30s. Yeah, yeah, a little younger. Um, yeah, I'd like to have Jordy on the show and Reggie Bannister. Yeah, those would be... Let's get them together at last. <laughs> Hello, Reggie Bannister. I love Phantasm. Oh, jeez, another rapping baby. <laughs> this is the fifth one this week, fellas. Come on. Je suis. Je suis la jumpie. So, a quote from Jordi Megrenet's paper. Not the baby rapper. This is back, no. back to the zoologist. Yes. The synthetic result of these reports... <laughs> does not enable us to support the hypothesis that this is of purely mythical origin without any natural grounds. So he thinks it's something from this world. 
Yeah, he thinks that it's just a it's some part of an evolutionary branch. It's of, a missing link. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a missing link. So, uh, Magrone took down the information uh, from his 27 witnesses. Uh, and also he got... Here's a little bit on his methodology. Uh, yeah, he got the, like their vital statistics, where they're from, how old they were, you know, uh, where they were when they saw the Barmanu, what time of day... How big a liar they year. were from 1 to 10. Yeah. And then uh, he had them tell their story in their own words with no prompting. And then after that, he asked them 63 distinct anatomical questions. About themselves? No, about the barman. Oh. <laughs> how, how girthy are you? Tell me, on a scale of uh, coins, <laughs> how big are your nipples? <laughs> Half dollar. Oof, I'm sorry to hear that, sir. <laughs> what if you had... Do, do you have big nipples or no? I don't... No, you don't. No, I, I have I've seen your, yeah, I've seen your nipples. Yeah, they're very small. It was at a pool, you guys. Get your head out of the gutter. No, it, I've seen your nipples a bunch of times. Yeah, it's true. Mostly at a pool. Yeah. I, I, uh, I have small nipples, too, for the record. And we had sex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we used... Uh, he also used what they call an identikit, a tool that... Uh, the police will use to create like composite sketches, one of those types of stuff. Oh, I thought it was going to be one of those things they do in gym class when you were little and they put in. I was fat when I was like eight, and I'm fat again now. So It's I, come I, full circle. It has, but I was skinny for a long time in between, but that doesn't matter because I'm fat again. But when I was eight, they took this machine, not a machine, but it was this like caliper. And they, oh, all right. They, pinched, they measured your body fat? Yeah, they pinched my body and told me how fat I was. It's true. They shouldn't do that. That's fucked up. Yeah, like what are you? And like, and like next to me was um, what was her name? Victoria Lowerson. I had a crush on her, and she was skinny. Yeah. They're like, it doesn't even work on your legs, and then it did mine. They're like, oh, all right. Yeah, we got one. Yeah, yeah. We can pick this kid up like the crane game. Yeah, don't want to throw this one back. (laughs) So, based on his interviews, he was able to mock up a sort of composite description. So here are all the details that we have about the part. Alright, so this is from Jodi. This is what he came up with his final description. Yes. We've got roughly six feet tall. Hunched posture. Covered in red hair except for their face, knees, and females on their breasts. (laughs) Uh, Prominent cheekbones but a weak chin. An upturned nose with broad nostrils, wide-set eyes. Like like posh spice. A small forehead, though. Oh. Uh, no lips, but a very broad mouth. Mm. Large, human-like teeth. No, like, uh, extended canines. Mm-hmm. And uh, high-pitched voices that sounded like either a teenager or a woman. A teenage girl? Uh, either a teenager of indeterminate gender or a grown woman. Okay. Not like a child, though. Okay. So a, pre- now, a though, prepubescent teen. Uh, yes, or a adult woman. So a tween or an adult woman, I would say. Or a teen, whose voice hasn't broken yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would call. Either way, that you, if you talk to a seventeen-year-old, that doesn't sound like a grown man. Yeah, uh, you're right. Well, some of them do. Alright. You get the idea. I picked up my daughter at school the other day, um, well yesterday. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and um, not that that's something I don't do a lot. <laughs> I said it like I picked my daughter up and waited for applause. And um, I, it, the kids look so young now. They are. The little boys and girls are babies. And then I was, you know, with the shootings, it's, it's just like these are such young. These are babies, man. And when you think about us at that age, we, we and what were we? Yeah, well, based on the stuff that they, we were allowed to say on a stage, yeah, it, it is wild that uh, nobody said stop uh, being so fucked up to us as children. Wait, who sh- who was being fucked up to us? No, we were being fucked up. Oh, t- yeah, but we were being encouraged by everyone. It's true; they should have stopped us. <laughs> Society's to blame for me. Uh, you came yeah. out fine. Stop it. So when you look at the... Uh, back to these high-pitched voices, the other thing that I wanted to mention about them is that there are no like local animals that have vocalizations that sound like that. It's not Except like for teenage uh, Pakistani people. Uh, yeah, I don't consider them animals. No, if uh, people are humans but if you are animals. No, if you want to say teenage Pakistanis humans are, are animals. basically animals. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm getting. At. I that that's okay. Of course, that, of course, Homo sapiens are considered animals. So uh, I would be correct. Those people. Oh, <laughs> wow. I said wow. Homo sapien, not those people. Wow. You, Telling. Oh, you got me back. Look at you. You're proud of yourself. The other thing about them is they <laughs> smelled like rotting meat. Now he says Pakistanis smell like rotting meat. Now who's... Oh, a very good one, Shibble. Good joke. McGrainer <laughs> found it... Uh, you mean Jordi? Yes, Jordi McGrainer. Uh, yeah, did find it especially interesting that they were described as being devoid of both language and culture. <laughs> the Barmanu, once again, we're not talking about the Pakistanis. I think it people. sounds exactly like any American talking about anyone who's new to America. It's true. Now, uh, you can find a lot of uh, McGrainer's writing online. Uh, that's where I got the majority of my research. Yeah, you can find some of his original illustrations uh, that basically look like a big hairy Bigfoot. Some of them a big hairy Bigfoot with boobs. <laughs> uh but also no hair on the knees. It was very distinct. Or on the breasts. Or on the breasts or on the face. Is he a good artist three. or is it crappy? Uh, he's uh, not bad, but not great. They weren't easy to find. Otherwise, I'd just share them in the chat right now. Oh, okay. But I really had to dig around to track them down. And then I forgot to do it before we started recording. But that pretty much comes to the end of my Barmano research. So do you got any facts for me? I certainly do. And the way you can... <laughs> do you remember how to introduce if them? I sure do. Barman Oh presents... Alcohol facts. Your thermometer. Excuse me? In the 1600s, thermometers called on brandy instead of mercury. Mm. Turns out mercury measures temperatures way more accurately and doesn't cause alcoholism, although it is still way less safe to drink. Yes, listeners at home, please don't drink mercury. And don't drink alcohol too much either, because that can be addictive, I hear. It's true. But you can have have some. Yeah, have a good time. Just don't go nuts. Um, Men get better with age, not most wines. A wine's Mm. age is more often a negative than a positive, according to wine writer Giles Kime. 
That sounds like a kime. I should I should have sent you this to read as Giles Kime. Like, no, I'll do no. it. No. I like a young one. He states. Urgh. He states. Giles Kime states. The vast majority of wines, particularly whites, become increasingly dull and flaccid with age. Only a few high-quality reds and some champagnes improve over time, and even that is very much a matter of personal taste. Apart from those exceptions, wines generally should be consumed within a year or two of bottling. Well... I guess I need to figure out what to do with that wine we've been saving since my wedding. Well, if it's a uh, high-quality red, keep saving it. It's not. It's a white? <laughs> it's a red, but I don't know if it's high-quality. I just assume it is. Uh, number six, crank up the hair conditioner. <laughs> Excuse me? me <laughs> Zoink. Uh, mixing a shot of vodka with your conditioner will plunge the pH on your hair. Nipping your cuticles and eliminating frizz. Wow, I'll have to give that a shot. Yeah, that's like that's kind of useful. Yeah, if it works, I'll give. I'll, yeah. yeah, if it doesn't because work, boy, it sounds painful. In the summertime, my hair gets frizzy. Does it? Yes, the humidity just poofs it right up. We have that in my my family. Yeah, well, you wear a little bit more uh, tight and right than I do. Yeah, I do. That's true. It's a little more boy. curly than yours. I know, my hair gets pretty crazy, but <laughs> can the Barmanu love? A werewolf ain't my dad, but it's not so bad. It might sound crazy, but can it love? Can it give me a kiss? Can it hold my hand? Would it say I love you? Does it understand? Does it know that I've never felt this way before? There's a full moon tonight. It's so romantic. And this might sound crazy, but can it love? Can it love? Can it love? Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. I can't do this. What did you I'm do I'm not this reading time? this. I'm not reading this. Okay, fantastic. I support that instinct. Yeah. So what do you think? Can the Barmanu love? Um, I, the I think absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, and by the way, I'm, ne I'm never going to read what I wrote, but just say thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I think because it's a Bigfoot and... Great job, oh. Hendrix. No, great job. That's just what I want from you right now. Oh, but... That's... It, it, Nicole's home, so he's uh... freaking out because the door's closed. Thanks, Nicole! I'm trying to make magic with Shibble. <laughs> can you open the door so the dog can get out? You're going as fast as you can. She's the slowest. You She's should going see her as fast run. As she can. I'm going to send you a video of her running. It is the funniest thing. She looks like Jesse Owens if Jesse Owens had just been hit by a bus. Send and and it was the white. Two of you running by side by side. I I will. And you know what? Even 55 pounds overweight, 
I am seven to ten times faster than her. Okay, then it's fair. Not true. Let's race. Yes. Race. She wants an endurance race. See, she knows I'm faster than her, so she'll only go for a mile, which I can't do. Yeah, all right, then go for a kilometer. Split the difference. No, that's stupid. I'll go for 40 meters, and I'll destroy her. I'll do it backwards. Okay, so. <laughs> I get, I get. Okay, so, um, yeah. He, he's, he's human in a way. He's a piece of human. Yes. And... I think humans are all just innately full of love until it's taken out of them by the world or their family or by someone horrible or just bad, bad, you know, bad influences. That's I think fair. we're born, we're born inherently good with, with a lot of love to give and receive. And, uh, I, I don't see why the Barmanu would be any different and, uh, probably wants to spread it all over, uh, Pakistan. You know, I a don't loving I... place if there ever was one. I don't think I could have said it any better. What would be your ideal first date with the barman? Um, I'm going to say the ballpark. Okay. So we could have a hot dog and peanuts and Cracker Jacks, and I don't care if we never come back. All right. I like it. Um, I'm going to take the barman to the Natural History Museum. Oh, I think you're taking a risk. Uh, because you might get confused for uh, one of the exhibits. Yeah, I, yeah, because I think people will be like, "Oh my God, look, the Bigfoot! I mean, the the, the missing links has escaped." Or they want to take pictures with him and think he's like working there, that kind of thing. What I would do is we'd be like, we'd stand frozen like we were an exhibit, <laughs> like I, he was evolving into me, <laughs> and then uh, we'd then we'd jump out and scare the kids, and we'd laugh and be like, "Ah, this is my buddy." Oh, that's great. We're actually on a date. <laughs> How would you prove you're on a date, though? Fucking kiss a little bit. Oh, okay. Kisses. So, you make, that, guys, look, we're on a date. That's all part of my plan. We're sorry we scared your kids, but look at this, and then you make out with them. Yeah, see? Nah, it's just us. We're just friends. Hi, nice to meet you. So, we agree the Barmanu is benevolent, in a sense, and full of love. Yes, but can it fuck? Which is a very important question. Um, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't see any reason why it couldn't. I mean, in the story, it sounded very sexual. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like it has a, 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 a juicy uh, penis. Yeah. Uh, it's got very... that thing that you crave. <laughs> that sounded like a commercial for anything for penises <laughs> for penises penis that thing that you crave um yeah no i i think he can definitely have the sex and yeah. uh, i think he has the love behind it i don't think it's a loveless act i think it, it might be romantic i th once again i think you've hit the nail on the head it's great that we're in 100 percent uh agreement on this one i think it loves getting freaky deaky would you like me to read to you ravaged, uh, a paragraph of Ravaged by the Barmanu and Taken by the Goatman? It's not separate. It's one. Okay. I hope they're not happening at the same time. That's a no. rough. No, that would be rough. It's by Eva Roche p p p Pussy. Eva Roche p p p Pussy. Well, it's P. I was trying to read it. I started P O E with an accent over it S Y. Uh, Pussy. Pussy. Pussy? P -p -p -pussy. 
pussy. By evil or say pussy. Betty Bradford was a typical small town housewife in rural Vermont. Until one day, a beast from the mountains of Pakistan smelled how fertile and desperate she was. Mm. Eager to leave her dull life and more than eager and willing to serve, she accepted being owned by the Barmanu and regarded as his human slave. Until one day, Goatman appears and steals her away. What will the Goatman do to Betty? Will the Barmanu seek revenge? Will Betty become pregnant with a beast's child? This is volume one of a very dirty, erotic, thrilling, and explicit series exploring Betty's new life being owned by beasts all for the sake of your titillating hearing pleasure. Oh, so it's an audiobook. Yeah, I don't think she needed hearing in that sentence, but whatever. No, that sounds, that certainly sounds much more explicit than mine. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to, well, it says dirty and explicit, so yours certainly wasn't. No, I'm taking Ms. Pussy as at her word. Not Pelosi. It's p- Pussy. Pussy. Yes, Pelosi is someone different. Maybe it's pronounced like Pelosi, but without the L. Oh, Pelosi. Okay. Maybe her husband also drives drunk. Could be. Uh, and also, I found uh, for on the subject of Kenneth Fuck is Nadia Ali, a well-known pornographic act, former pornographic actress from Pakistan. Oh, okay. And I found her to be very, very interesting, actually. Tell me about it. Um, she was born in 91 as Onaza Malik. Okay. Emigrated to the United States as a child and raised in Jersey. And she felt isolated by her family's conservatism, although she did not have to wear a hijab and didn't. Uh, raised in, as a Muslim and stated that she still identifies as a practicing Muslim. Mm. She prays two to three times a day and said... I kind of have an internal conflict. One of the biggest sins is it's hard to be forgiven for adultery. Having sex without marriage is a sin, and doing it multiple times a day as an escort is one of the major sins that you will not be forgiven for. And I am fully aware of that, but yeah, I still pray. And I thought that was sweet. Yeah, I mean, we're all on a path, and, you know, I think... I I hope that she finds uh, peace between her spirituality and her chosen profession. Uh, well, she left the profession. Um, she okay. wanted during while she was in the profession, she wanted to show the world that Middle Eastern girls of Pakistani descent get horny too. Fair enough. I'm sure she, they do. She's not allowed back in Pakistan for performing her. I watched a, a bit of a scene. She is hardcore. And she Fair does enough. her performances in a hijab for extra, you know, like that's not, I don't know if she should do that, but well, I, it's her, well, it's her hijab. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. Uh, in 2016, she left the industry after making 20 scenes when her mother discovered what she was doing and became depressed. Yeah. Uh, she, and this is the real reason she left Shivel. She stated she found the idea of her 21st film to be degrading which was a man resembling Donald Trump having sex with her, a Muslim woman. Yeah, I could see why that would be the point. Where you're like, you know what? I'm gonna walk away. That that made her I, walk away. She was like, I won't, I won't, I won't that, do that. You know what? This is a sign. This is a sign that maybe I'm not getting out the message that I want to be getting out in the world by doing this anymore. <laughs> Most it's definitely. It's kind of like Dave Chappelle walking away at his peak. Yeah. Or deciding to become a turf for some reason. 
Yeah, I don't know what his deal is, man. What is his deal? Oh, by the way, uh, Nadia Ali now works as a cosmetologist and is quite happy. Oh, good. Good for you, Nadia. So what's going on with Chappelle? Uh, he decided to make some anti-trans jokes. No, I know and... that, but like, what's his deal? <sighs> Who knows? You know. is it, does he think it's funny, or is he just trying to be transgressive? Uh, I think he's... Transgressive. Uh, yeah, I think he's one of those guys that isn't above... Uh, trying to shock people for laughs. I think he's always sort of viewed himself as a truth teller. Uh, so I, but he's, he's not telling his, the truth. He's speaking his truth. His truth is just bigoted and terrible. But it never has been to me. No, well, I don't think he ever talked about those sort of things before. And he was never a guy that, you know, felt that he should be bound by political correctness. So and is this possible, Shibble? That he said something off the cuff, or he wrote something that didn't mean much to him, but jokes mean a lot when you write them. So it didn't mean much, it was just another joke, and because it caused such a stir, he was like, no, I'm sticking behind this, and now it's going to be a big deal, and I'm going to say whatever I want, and it became kind of a pride thing, and you're not going to make me say what you want me to say, and that's why he's doing it. Because I don't see him as a hateful person, but I could be wrong, because he's saying hateful shit. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, what he's got in his heart and what he's doing, you know, can be two different things, but I'm more concerned about what he's doing. Right, but I, I mean, it's just after such a long run of being insightful and being a man who promoted peace and, you know, love between people more so, to see him, you know, promoting hate in any way is just very strange. I mean... Yeah, it's it's certainly... It's unnerving. It's depressing. And it's fight night! Fight! I love fight night. It's true. It's a, a great segment. How many... Shacks, do you think it would take to take down a Barmanu? A Barmanu versus how many prime Shaquille O'Neal's? I'm going to say one Shaq can get a Barmanu. I'm going to say two Barmanus can get a Shaq. They're six feet tall, though. They're six feet tall. They're very muscular. But Shaq is seven feet tall and very muscular. I say two. I say Shaq takes out two Barmanus. How about that? I'm going to. I know it doesn't make much sense. But I think he's an intelligent fighter, a more intelligent fighter, and probably that's a huge... I would say it's a big advantage, intelligence in a fight. And also, they're not... I don't think they're used to fighting uh, a man like him. I mean, I don't know how much... It's funny, all these fight nights that we've had with Shaq, I don't know how much actual fight experience Shaq has. Whereas these guys, I'm sure they live a pretty rough and tumble lifestyle. They're out there hunting things with their hands. Shibble, Shaq has fought every week on this show. Oh, oh, you mean in real life? Yes, yes. I'm talking about Prime Shaq. No one would, no one would ever start a fight with him. He's never been in a fight. You no. could probably beat him up. Yeah, his, his, yeah. I think his inexperience might actually show up against two Barmanu. That's interesting. Although he did throw a punch at Charles Barkley that if it had landed, would have taken his head off. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, my God. I can't imagine getting... I mean, those are like pistons out of a huge, like, 
world-crushing machine that's coming at you, you know, like a big metal piston. I mean, it'd just take yeah. your head off. Yeah, it'd be like someone throwing a log at your face. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, okay, we'll go with two Barmanu could take Shaq, but Shaq can take a Barmanu. Yeah. Is that right, Shaq? That sounds about right, but put me in the ring with two. I'll give it my damn best. Oh, and what do you think about Penny Hardaway and his injuries? I hope he feels better soon. All right, that was a little old reference. <laughs> um, number two, the Bar Manu versus the Farm and You. Uh, okay. That would be uh, the Bar Manu versus Shibble and the characters from Charlotte Webb in a violent brawl. All right, so is it just basically uh, Charlotte and Wilbur... Templeton. And Templeton. And all of the rest of the farm. Was Farmers. there a horse and a farmer? There was a horse, a farmer with an axe. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say me and the Charlotte's Web crew. I think we're going to have him pretty well outnumbered. I think you all get slaughtered. Damn. No, I'm just the joking. I'm eggs. just joking. I think, I think you and the farmer are the MVPs and you win. And also, we don't know if Charlotte's poisonous. And also, I'm going to say if this thing gets kicked by a horse, that'll fuck you up. Or a donkey. There's yeah. a lot of things that kick. You're right. They, kicked and, back and, and forth. And if they saw, like, Charlotte or Wilbur in trouble, those other animals would come running. Yo, yeah, they love they love them both. Barmanu versus the Star and Jew. So that would yeah. be uh, versus Billie Eilish and I, uh, and we have Mossberg tactical shotguns. Okay, yeah, shotguns. I don't think the Barmanu is going to be able to overcome that. Uh, he doesn't have much in terms of ranged attacks. Right. So you're saying Billy Eilish and I beat the two big feet with Mossberg tactical shotguns? Yes. You're you're Absolutely. sure she can fire that accurately? Uh, the thing about a shotgun is it doesn't require that much accuracy. You're right. You're right. You're right. See, you hit something that goes down. Number four. Um, the Barmanu versus Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell with star with star jelly instead of black face paint. I don't know who Freeman Johnson and Go Charles Freeman Carell. Gosden and Charles Carell were Amos and Andy. Oh, okay. Uh, but they don't have their face paint. Instead, they're smearing their faces <laughs> and hands with star jelly. Yes. They're, they're, the jelly they're from beyond jelly the face. stars. They were, they're, they're performing in jelly face. Yes. The thing is, the farmer who finds that to be so offensive, some of his best friends are star jelly. <laughs> so I'm going to put this one on the barmanu. Good, because those guys suck. It's true. Uh, barmanu versus all the customers and workers inside an Abercrombie in 1997 armed with whatever they can find inside the store. All right. This is a pretty popular store in 1997, so it's going to be a pretty decent crowd. Abercrombie was largely favored by jocks, so I'm going to guess at least some of the people in that place are going to be in good shape. And whatever they can find in the store, I'm going to say those big metal racks, Ooh. if you could break those apart and start beating them with it. Yeah, I'm going to put this on the cast and crew of Abercrombie. I say Barmanu will get in there and they'll be scared and screaming and running all over and they'll they'll take out so many of them and rip them apart before they're subdued. And I think they would call the cops instead of fighting back. That's fair. All right, number six, the Barmanu versus climate change. <laughs> Boy, let me think. 
Yeah, I don't think the Barmanu really. It's going to take more than individual action. That's it's absolutely take all right. All of us collectively. But Barmanu, if you're on board, that certainly would help. Barmanu versus a conspiracy theory about itself magnified in a fascist right-wing echo chamber and spread throughout the cryptid electorate. Okay. So, something like the Barmanu is eating babies in a pizza palace? Yes. Okay. And he's Could a pedophile. Be, and he's a pedophile. It's eating the babies for sexual gratification. Right, right, yeah. It gets horny when it eats a baby. Right, of course. Yeah. So... Or so the right-wing media would have you believe. <laughs> I'm going to have to say that the Barmanu seems like honest and true, and i got to hope that the truth will prevail and cut through all these media lies. Barmanu. Okay, almost done. Barmanu versus Patrick Ewing, but Patrick Ewing's widow's peak is long enough that it obscures his vision, and he's wearing the tight 80s shorts. Well, those tight 80s shorts are going to help. Yep. I, I knew you would go there. Good job. Yeah, no. Those are going to help you move. Uh, that's why you never see Ultimate Fighters wearing jams anymore. That's absolutely right. They wear the little little skivvies because you got to yeah. be able to move. Yeah. And you, you don't, don't want, want your opponent grabbing, grabbing them. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, still... You're going to need to keep an eye on the bar menu. I think the obscured vision is going to be the real tell. And also, I think if we say one Shaq can't beat a bar menu, I'm definitely going to say one Patrick Ewing can't beat a bar menu. No, we said so one get... Shaq can beat a bar menu. Oh, yes, yes, we did say. Okay. Eh, eh, he's got a little bit. Yeah, and he was tough. He was in the game for a long time. He was though. not tough. He was an outside shooter who refused to go in the lane and rebound. So you're saying he's a coward. Yes. All right, then I'm putting on the Barmanu. Last but not least, the Barmanu versus Nellie Bly. Famed reporter. You don't uh, have to answer that. Let's move on. That was a wonderful fight night, Sybil. Yeah, great one. Another one in the books. I love it. Step, but do you have any more? Barman, oh, presents... Alcohol facts. There was a way around prohibition. Oh, was it bootlegging? It was drinking poisoned um, alcohol. No, yeah, it wasn't. You got it. But yeah, bootlegging was, was the real way, but uh, there, there was a legal way. Oh, okay. You could get a prescription for whiskey. Oh, all right. Did you know that? If you were going through like alcohol withdrawals? I don't know. Whiskey was sold in pharmacies. The exemption from the ban played a large part in Walgreens' expansion. By 1930, the number of Walgreens stores had multiplied by 20. Well, hey, that'll do it. That's how they made Wal. That's how Walgreens grew into what it is today. You know, I what I've been uh, watching on TV a little bit lately. A show Akira? called Moon Moonshiners Master Distiller. <laughs> it is a chopped for moonshining, and the judges panel. Listen to this judges panel. You've got a guy named <laughs> uh, Digger. No, it's not his name. A guy named uh, Mark and a guy named Tim. All three of them wear overalls in every single episode. <laughs> Wait, is it a and uniform else, or did they just make that fashion choice? That seems to be just the choice that they're making. <laughs> and also, uh, they have an assistant whose name is Tickle. <laughs> 
<laughs> Digger and, and they, Pickle. They, they, there will be three or four distillers in every episode, and by the end they see who has created the best moonshine. Do they, do they get wicked drunk? I mean, that stuff is powerful. Uh, by the end of the show, they all, there's... It's implied that at least half the people on screen are at least buzzed. That sounds really good. You find great reality shows, man. I recommend checking out Moonshiner's Master Distiller. And you also mentioned uh, Canadian's Worst Driver, which I recommend that Chibble found for me. That's a great show, too. It is a classic. Early drinkers didn't need designated drivers. Because they could only walk. Yes, because alcohol was invented way before the fucking wheel. Yeah. Archae uh, archaeological chemists analyzed 9,000-year-old Chinese clay shards and mm. found traces of mead. Meanwhile, the potter's wheel wasn't invented until 3,500 years later in Mesopotamia, and wheeled chariots weren't developed until probably 300 years after that. Can you imagine taking 300 years to make a chariot? I feel like I could think of that pretty quick. Especially after the potter's wheel came? Yeah, but then if I if I had never seen a wheel, would I be able to be like, what if I take like a disc? No, no, no. But why would you even say that? They had the Potter's wheel, so you would see a Potter's wheel, and you couldn't what think if of I a took chariot. That Potter's wheel. You know how when we were moving the Potter's wheel last week, <laughs> and we turned it on its side. What if we did something like that all the time, tied to the back of the horse? You would have come up with it in less than 300 oh, yeah. years. I would, I would have been the guy. I would have been the guy. I would have come up with it and people would have been like, no, that's a dumb idea. I would have gotten a lot of meetings and then everyone would have been like, no, we it's like just it. Not, we uh, like it. It's just not feasible. It's not for us. It's not for it's us. pie in the sky. Yeah, 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 it's all, yeah, exactly. That's my life. Put uh, that potter's wheel back upright and make some pottery. Yeah, exactly. That's what they want to do is make some pottery. All right, whatever. Uh, ever heard of Campari, Sybil? Yes. It was pretty hardcore until 2006. You want to know why? Why is that? You tell me. Do you know? Um, because Dean Martin sang about it? <laughs> exactly. No. Up until 2006, if you sip Campari, you were enjoying this ruby red Amaro. I don't know what that is. Made. It's a uh, digestif. Oh, okay. I don't know what that is. Uh, is that an after-dinner drink? Yes. Oh, because it helps you digest. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's made from crushed up beetle wings. Mm, okay. And unlike a ladybug infested glass of Riesling, it was intentional. Ooh, shot, uh, shot fired there. Uh, the company yeah. now uses artificial food coloring, which upset purists. Campari apparently gave in to vegetarian pressure. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, and it tastes kind of like gr grapefruit. And uh, yeah, and the, beetle the, the wings. Yeah, the beetle wings gave it its distinctive red color. Beetle wings are a classic means of creating a red dye. Was that that's what it was for? It wasn't it wasn't a taste thing. It was just the red. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, and you know what else is interesting? What's interesting, ships? Is uh the question whether or not the barmanu is real. Well, I got to tell you, ship, the entire time you've been talking I've been shaking. Oh, I can tell. Yes, because I'm developing some kind of neurological issue. I thought you were shaking with horniness. 
Yes, ever since the erotica. No, I'm I'm frightened. I got to be honest. The real reason is I'm frightened. This is a frightening monster. And it's true. and you 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 put me in a spot where I'm not going to be able to sleep. So, I have to turn to you and ask just just for my own sake, is it real? Is real? Shake it the babakasha. Hey. Hey. Maybe. Um Really? Well, certainly Jordi Magrine was a real zoologist. Uh, zoologist who really published this paper. Unfortunately, he was never able to complete his research because in the year 2002, he was killed by the Taliban. What? Yes. The the rapping baby got killed by the Taliban. Uh, no, the zoologist. Oh, Jordi oh, Magrenet. Jordi yes. yeah. Uh, no, no suspects were ever arrested, but he was murdered along with his uh, servant boy. Uh, wait, wait, and... in 2002, like, colonialists still had servant boys when they went to other countries? Yes, so, you know, there might have been other reasons to kill him. <laughs> Uh, but uh, allegedly, or you know, or maybe the Taliban wasn't entirely off base with this one. Who can say? I'm going to say they were off base because the Taliban's not usually right. It's true. You back the Taliban, you absolutely, by no means, have to hand it to them. <laughs> uh, but uh, because of that, the the research on the uh, Barmanu has never truly been completed. There's still. I think we need to fund another trip to the mountains of northwestern Pakistan to keep up this search. What an opportunity this is for a young cryptozoologist. Yes, any of you Bigfoot hunting shows, go to northwestern Pakistan. Don't worry too much about the Taliban. <laughs> Try and find Barmanu. Yeah, the Taliban, didn't, they're not even in power anymore, right? There's no big deal. Uh, yeah, I mean... By the time this episode comes out, who can Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm lying, but I could be right by the time the episode comes out. I'm just trying to get you murdered. Yeah, just have a wonderful trip. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a hot lead. It is a hot lead. Listen, if you care more about your life than you do about discovering Bigfoot, then you're not really a cryptozoologist, are you? No, and... Is that the red light from Uncle Monster? <laughs> That's actually, um, I was going to make a Terminator joke about one of my eyes, but I got lost in it. It's okay. Hey! Uncle Monster, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Having pretty... a Saturday. Having a Saturday? Why? I'm what having happened? a Saturday. Oh, you're having a Saturday. I think it's it... a Saturn kind of day. Nope, I'm having a Saturday. Oh, and why is that? Because today's Saturday. And what am I going to do in between episodes, Uncle Moss? Do you have any ideas? I think you should watch the movie Abominable. Oh, why is it? What's that about? Well, did you ever see Alfred Hitchcock's classic Rear Window? I just bought a VHS copy of it. This is basically a remake of Rear Window, except uh, the killer is a Sasquatch. <laughs> what a ridiculous premise. I love it. Check it out! It's called the Abominable! And, um, is your brother around? You mean Uncle Monster 2? Uncle Monster 2, they're asking for you! Hi, I'm here! Well, what's Uncle Monster 2? Do you have any recommendations for me, brother? Oh, yeah! I got movies for you to watch! Is that what you want? 
Absolutely. I love your recommendation. Okay, here's number one. Yes, if give you're... me several. Just two. <laughs> Just two. If you're not into Pakistan, but you are into dust storms of the 30s, like 10 hours worth, watch Ken Burns' The Dust Bowl. Okay. <laughs> and, and also, if you like Pakistan, watch Zero Dark Thirty. It's a propaganda masterpiece. Well, there you have it, ladies and gents. Also, watch me around town doing my brother's act, which I license. Yes, this is, of course, the Gallagher 2 of the Uncle Monster family, Uncle Monster 2. That's me! Thank you, Uncle Monster 2. Thank you, Sybil. And um, I, I'm thanking for Uncle Monster. And, and most of all, thank you. Tell him you. I said you're welcome. Most of all, thank you, the audience, for listening to our rantings, ravings, our our uh, discussions of cryptids, our our explorations of movies. Thank you for tuning in to Patreon and all of our social media. We love you guys, and we hope you continue to interact with us. And we hope that until next time, you don't, don't get, get spooked. spooked. You do it, baby.